0: Hi, everybody. This is Jim Dethmer with the Conscious Leadership Group, and I'm here with my partner and co-founder, Diana Chapman. Hi, Diana. Hello, Jim. <laughs> and today we're going to be having a conversation with one of our old buddies and uh, a real practitioner of this work, the Conscious Leadership Practices, Jason Tzu, who has uh, been a friend of mine for many years. And I'm actually, it'd be fun to recollect how many years we've been uh, together in the world, and Jason participated with me and Diana in so many different kinds of activities along the way. It's like old home week, especially because Jason spends a lot of his time in Asia now, so we're actually talking to him in Asia, and Diana's in Houston, and I'm in Chicago. The marvels of technology. So wonderful. So welcome, Jason.
1: Hi, Jim. Hi, Diana. I'm saying hi from uh, Beijing right this moment.
0: That's uh, great, <laughs> so why don't you use that as a segue just Just take a couple of minutes and orient people who'd be on this call to kind of who you are and what you're doing in the world, so they know kind of the you're a little bit about your general background and what you show up being and doing in the world. Got it. well, I think of myself uh as a a
1: stereo entrepreneur. So I co-founded Research Affiliates about 15 years ago, and uh, at the start of this year, uh, I actually spun off a new company called Raylian Global Advisors, which is based in Hong Kong. Now, both Research Affiliates and Raylian Global Advisors are asset management companies, so I'm in the investment industry. Uh, and, and that was a bit of an accident how I got into that industry, and we can talk about more uh, about that later. But uh, I'm also an, an educator. Actually, I like to fancy myself as first and foremost an educator. So I teach at okay. UCLA uh, and uh, now Kyoto University as well as uh, the National Chengchi University in Taiwan, uh, where I teach uh, investments and, and leadership.
0: <laughs> I love that. So this is a fun question. We never asked anybody this before. What do you know a lot about? Diana and I have said, I think, a number of times over the years that you're one of the smartest people we know, just in terms of raw gray matter. You just got some serious horsepower going up there. So, just for the fun of it, what do you know a lot about? And go ahead and spew out some technical stuff or whatever that you know we we wouldn't <laughs> understand, but others might. <laughs> well, uh, well, I know a lot about something
1: that actually is quite boring to most people uh so you know statistics uh empirical research techniques uh you know how to build indices and quantitative uh investment technologies uh but but uh, something that i i know about that i think is a bit more interesting is i think i'm starting to be uh you know quite quite a, a connoisseur of uh, organizational behavior um, management. Theories and practice. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Okay, so let's go to that. When do you remember? When did uh, you first encounter, you know, these ideas of fifteen commitments and living and leading from above the line and being in presence? When did that first start for you? And just tell us a little bit about your journey in this world.
1: I I want to place that back to. 2009 or thereabouts, and uh, and I think this really came about because um, at, at Research Affiliates at the time, uh, we were really going through a, a transition. Um, you know, the firm was spectacularly successful uh, from a commercial perspective, but uh, we were probably growing too fast Uh, hiring a lot of people, onboarding a lot of business that the firm was also uh, ripping itself apart. A lot of silos developed, uh, you know, despite the success, I think there was a lot of uh, unhappiness. And Mm -hmm. and that unhappiness seems to have been increasing faster than business success. And that was when someone suggested that we talk to, to Jim and And we did in fact uh, bring on Jim, and that really kind of you know uh began my my journey into exploring uh conscious leadership and and i would I would say initially we thought we we were just gonna bring someone who is a management consulting, get a right. diagnostic on you know who's wrong, who's right, and be done with that uh but it's <laughs> it's certainly far, far, far from that, and it's been a fantastic journey.
0: Yeah, I remember when we first came in, you know, we interviewed everybody, all your key leaders, and did a trust analysis. Remember, we did a cultural survey, and the trust scores were really low, even though it was fascinating, because a lot of commercial success, and yet still some pockets of mistrust that were there. And that was one of the first things we started working on was, what are we gonna to do to face and deal with the historic trust ruptures? And what are we gonna to do to start to build trust in this team and in this organization? And that really led us into starting to practice things like locating yourself above and below the line and ending blame and taking responsibility and practicing candor and even appreciation, living in your genius. These were all things that I know you lit up around, Jason. So uh, what if, why don't you talk a little bit about from your perspective now as a leader, having practiced for a number of years, what about the 15 commitments? And you can pick individual ones or just in general. You know, what have you found most personally beneficial to you as a leader?
1: Oh, so I think uh, the model of above and below the line, just being not just the technique of you know being able to locate where you are, but that willingness to be okay with um, being below the line and then questioning whether you want to shift or not. So, so that model is fantastic. And kind of the safety, the way it's kind of taught, uh, that the safety of being okay with being below the line and so that I could locate myself honestly. So, so that was really, really powerful. Very easy to get. So, so that was good. Uh, but since then, I think... The big things for me is about recognizing how much of what goes on in my head are just stories and being able to <laughs> isolate where I have projections. And I'm actually viewing, and I'm, I'm, I'm like committed to viewing things and people from those projections. And just, again, being aware of that allows for the possibility for them to go away. And that's been big for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and then I think learning about uh, kind of revealing, and and not not kind of leading with your best foot forward, but but just reveal what's going on in my head, and then really paying attention to the emotions. It it actually um, has made communicating a lot easier. When I lead with, hey, it's a little ouch, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 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 sad. It's it, it's actually made conversations so much easier. And uh, people are so so much more willing to engage when you come at it from a I got an ouch better, and you come at it with you know a judgment or pretense to be uh, to, to to be arguing about some kind of content. So those are probably the biggest ones for me. Uh, Jason, yeah.
2: you have. I was going to say, Jason, you've been really devoted to having your team facilitated for several years, many years probably now, and. I'm curious, what do you notice um, has, has changed in your organization by having these principles brought in?
1: So, you know, the, the, the one principle that I recognized uh, as both paying the biggest dividends and also one, maybe it's just because the industry I work in, that seems to resonate the best. Is this emphasis around curiosity and a learning based organization mm-hmm.
2: uh
1: this is something where I think people immediately see uh the dividend of 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 kind of that shift toward learning uh and away from blame uh I think it's created an environment uh where kind of fear. And, and I guess the uh, uh, blame that, that caused that fear uh, plays a much smaller part in the interaction and in, in the psyche. And as a result, uh, you see people are much more willing to own up to, to, to undesirable outcomes and are much more willing to spend most of their time focusing on. So, how can we do something differently and get a better outcome? And so that's something that you could really get the team to quickly go, well, that's, that pays a dividend. We like that. We like to do more of that.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. I want to punctuate, you know, that the group, especially your direct team for a long time, was comprised, I mean, largely of people with PhDs, incredibly bright, analytical. Um, you know, fact-based kinds of individuals. So everybody gets an idea of how those people come to the world. And yet what Jason brought to the team and what they got devoted to practicing was making a distinction between facts and stories and articulating the facts and then owning the stories that were being made up in the head. And then I really want to punctuate your commitment to emotional intelligence and bringing the ability to say I feel sad, I feel scared, I feel angry. And to watch that team over the years get so articulate with feeling states. So here's a bunch of (laughs) brilliant head types. Although interestingly enough, Jason, when we, we, you've heard us talk before about the Enneagram, we love the Enneagram. Jason's actually a heart type in the Enneagram. He's an Enneagram type two, the giver. And he operates from that space so he's got this great quantitative brain sitting on top of a big heart and (laughs) it's been amazing to watch these fact data driven people distinguish fact and story and bring emotional intelligence to the experience while adding a big dose of curiosity it's it's just been a blast it was for me over the years to watch you and your team do this and and especially it wasn't that you guys were free from conflicts right i mean at research affiliates, there oh, were a number, number of conflicts that came up all the time. These are passionate people, and mm-hmm. you you regularly use this material to be with, move through, and uh, deal with conflict. Isn't that true? Didn't you find it to be useful around conflict? Uh, absolutely, uh, because.
1: Jim's right. Uh, at, at Research Affiliates and, and now at, uh, at, at Rayland, uh we we tend to attract in in the investment business a lot of people who are uh, the head type, who's been overachievers, who who excel at their mastery of facts and theory, and who's largely, you know, been been validated by very high test scores and generally being right. <laughs> and and so most people are used to and are comfortable at talking about content, focusing on content, and being very good at detecting you know, flaws and logic, and kind of really going at it from the place of content. And it did take a while to realize that uh, we weren't very good at, at listening to each other and solving problems, because much of where the conflict occurs that leads to the recycling is, is around the context. And it's that unwillingness or the lack of awareness around the ouch that's actually occurring in the background that's then driving uh various incarnation of the content to be recycled over and over again and so it 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 was it was not easy to, to get there but uh but i think once we got there uh, at least a lot of people who uh, continue to practice um the the ability to, to kind of reveal the ouch and really solve issues from the contextual perspective, thats that's been a very powerful tool.
2: I, Jason, I'm curious. Um, I know that um, not only do you bring this, the 15 Commitments to your organization, you also introduce it to other leaders. Um, it, that's something that sounds, you know, as an educator, you seem passionate about educating other leaders about this work as well. And I'm curious both, in your organization and as you see other leaders learn this, is there anything you've been surprised about um as people are incorporating these commitments?
1: Well, first of all, I guess my, my big surprise is uh how many people already practice and naturally gravitate to conscious leadership. You know, I, I think Particularly as I'm in Asia, uh, where where Zen Buddhism has you know uh, uh, quite a bit of sort of influence. It's almost part of the culture. Uh, you do see people gravitate they naturally to the principles and the practice of conscious leadership. Uh, and so, so I was, I was already very surprised by just how many leaders are talking about it and very open to it uh, when I when I sort of share my own experience and then then share the book. Now, the other part that uh, I, I'm i also surprised, and then this is often what I see in myself, is um, you know, how quickly I still trigger myself and fall below the line and spend <laughs> quite a bit of time being really committed to being below the line and feeling really righteous. Uh, so it's really, really easy to, uh, tend to fall out of practice.
2: Yes. Very human. <laughs> I think I can really relate to the idea that as much as I practice this, I still have this human mind that gets so reactive, and I do get surprised too that it goes below the line as much as it does.
1: (laughs) I guess another thing that surprises me is, um, uh, you know, I've run into people who I I know they're really intelligent and, and great people but uh but there's tremendous resistance to to the practice and to the idea, and that that surprises me uh and uh I guess disappoints me, so I just want to report that
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, so along that line, Jason, imagine for a minute that a leader was coming to you, and they were saying, Hey, you know we're thinking about starting to bring this stuff into our organization, and they said, "You know, from your experience what advice or tips or coaching would you give us about how to go about bringing it into our organization? What what things come up for you having, you know, been a practitioner for this many years? So uh,
1: the one thing that pops into my mind is it is really helpful to, to have a coach. Because I've, I've tried to do this, you know, as... As As a leader, as a manager, and I think that that isn't always the most effective way, because you know sometimes you're in the trenches, sometimes you're you're the other side of that conversation. So you know if you're trying to coach and player at the same time. Sometimes doesn't quite inspire trust, and sometimes mm-hmm. it, it doesn't quite have the the that effect, right? you know when it, it's actually nice a like gym session to have someone who's just there to hold space and then to let um, two people have a conversation. So in my experience, having a coach helps tremendously, uh, even if that coach is just sitting there watching a conversation. So that's kind of a, a practical matter. The other, the other one, and and this is the biggest one is, um, the leader has to model it and live it. Uh, it can't be a, wow, you know, I I I like the payoff from having a conscious organization, and uh, my way to get there is to outsource it to someone else to to bring that to life, so I can benefit from the payoff and not have to really practice very hard. That that doesn't that doesn't seem to work. And then another thing is, um, it's it's easy. And then you know, as as managers, uh, we're, we're 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 all master manipulators. And then it's just sort of easy. And we gotta you gotta watch out for this. You know, don't don't use this as a tool to you know kind of get your way, because it's very <laughs> easy to bend it and practice it just as another tool to manipulate. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, that's something I, I, I certainly have, have, you know, committed myself and so I, I, I think it's wise to pay a lot of attention to that. And I would say at the end of the for me, um, you know, I mentioned you know, I I I I'm a eager educator around this and sometimes um uh, you know, I I roll it out with too much enthusiasm and making it sort of a mission to Change other people and and that hasn't hasn't been met with great success. It's like it creates <laughs> resistance, and then I have to kind of remind myself and say look this is this is really all about me and and if there are people who are lying around it and get very, really enthusiastic around it, they're here to sort of help me practice and support me and then there're going to be people who who are highly resistant to it don't care for it and and again, that's there to help me practice as well uh and so it's it's if you actually make it all about you i think um it works better <laughs>
0: uh, well i think those are brilliant insights <laughs> i They're really brilliant think. yeah <laughs> yeah make it about yourself don't use it as a control mechanism you know we say all the time that anything can be done from below the line any language can occur from below the line or above the line including You can use all this 15 commitment stuff just to run a racket from below the line of trying to control and manipulate people. It's so great you point to that and can help people look at that and see how we're doing that. If we're in our reactive pattern and we're using this material on other people, it just keeps the drama recycling. Hmm. Well, this is great, Jason. Anything, let me think of a fun question. You know, Jason was around when Diane and I uh, first started putting groups of people together from around the country. And one of the things that we talked about a lot then, and we still do deep in our own selves, is we talk about what it means to be fully alive. And we, when we work with leaders, we say, what are you willing to risk for your full aliveness in every dimension of your life? So Jason's familiar with that conversation. We've been in that conversation with him for many years. So Jason, just as we wrap this up, could you kind of give us a sense of your current experience of your full aliveness? What are you experiencing professionally, personally in your heart, your body, your mind, your soul? Um, What's your level of full aliveness? And is there any place where there's a little kink in your aliveness where your self-awareness is brought? So just talk a little bit about your full aliveness. Mm.
1: Um, so, you know, one of the big thing that I did this year was to to spin uh, out of research affiliates and, and start on our firm. And that's sort of a big, scary leap, but I feel incredibly alive since doing it. Uh, it's given me a completely different experience, a, a completely different perspective. In many ways, I was getting very comfortable uh, in my old role at research affiliates. And uh, and so you know this feeling of aliveness feels like um, you know I I actually feel that I'm really really attractive much more attractive and and I just have that feel constantly I feel this kind of glow uh, and uh, and I also feel like uh, I'm much more connected with my gut I'm I'm able to access that I'm able to hear it. Uh, and uh, I'm able to trust it, and these are all things that are are, are new, or at least very accentuated, uh, more recently. And that's kind of my my experience of of aliveness.
0: Yeah, I love what you're pointing to here because um, you were very safe and secure in your role at Research Affiliates, and again, incredibly successful, and yet. It built pressure built over a few years where you could feel that even though you were safe and secure, your aliveness was dampening. And and in order to continue to live from presence above the line and in your full aliveness, you put a lot at risk to launch a whole new firm. <laughs> and you're willing to do that over and over again to stay in your full aliveness, to live in your zone of genius, all that stuff. So I just want to honor you, Jason. Honor um your devotion to consciousness, your devotion to being a conscious leader and to practicing this stuff in relationships. And I know the people around you deeply, deeply appreciate your commitment to this because it's transformed their lives and invited them to play a different game. And collectively as a team, you play a different game. So thank you so much for the way you're being in the world and uh, for the great friend and partner you've been to me and Diane over the years. Really love and appreciate you, man. Thank you.
1: Thank you Jim, thank you Diana.
2: Yeah, thank you. And and in particular, I think it's courageous to bring other leaders into this conversation. Um and you maybe more than anybody who works with us has brought this to more and more colleagues outside of your organization and I I just want you to know how grateful I am that you are in devotion to spreading conscious leadership in the world.
0: All right. Great talking to you and uh CLG friends. Hope you enjoyed this uh conversation with Jason Sue and uh look forward to our next conversations going forward. Take care, everybody.
2: Bye all. Bye all.